you pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we're tired, incredibly ultimately end of the year tired i'm your host justin emlesneski the hopeful bromantic and i retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said or will say on this show it's the beginning of wrestling season last week was our first week this week is our second week of official competition we drove which means i drove one of the bands two and a half hours to a tournament outside of jacksonville Yesterday, so I was up at 4 a.m. to be at school for 4.45 because the girls were going to get there at 5. And I didn't get home and unpacked and everything until like 10.30 p.m. Unpacking, of course, means, you know, putting the singlets in the washing machine, making sure all the leftover food is put in the fridge, cleaning out all of the cooler. Cooler is the word I was looking for that my brain couldn't find. So, yeah, pretty tired there. Uh, my co-host is also uh, tired because he was on a plane all night. I'll let him explain in a moment where he is. So this episode, especially considering it's our second to last episode of the season, is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to have any bumper music. There's going to be no art section because obviously I wasn't able to see a movie because I had to go to bed early on Friday night. And on Saturday all day I was busy and I wasn't able to get to the movies. So... This episode is going to have no art section, no trailers to review, right? This is the end of the year. Should reflect back on things. And by the way, while I'm mentioning that, if you want to participate in our year-end awards show next week, give us your nominations and, and your votes for the Peak Farce Awards, just go into our Discord. You know, go to midside.com, midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, you'll find a link to our Discord, and in there you will find where you can vote in the Midside Year and Awards, which we will be recording next week. So this this episode is sort of a, we're getting towards the end of the year, there are some things that are uh, still pinging our radar as far as farce goes, but, you know, we got a lot of other stuff going on, especially with the holidays coming up. Right in a couple of weeks, I have to unfortunately go back to Los Angeles for a week oh, or so. No. Oh no! So we're kind of just going to talk about things, uh, and I'll, I'll get into uh, in a second here. I'll get into the tournament and uh, my experiences with that. But first, let's bring in my co-host joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, I was traveling uh, through the day and most of the night uh, to get out here to Berlin because I got some work meetings out here. So I'm staring out my hotel room uh, window at the uh, some of the uh, segments of the Berlin Wall that are now murals and uh, been all graffitied and painted up. So uh, yeah, I'm a little bit loopy. I, I, I tend to find it impossible to sleep uh, on a plane uh, unless I'm laying down. So uh uh, so I might have dozed maybe an hour, but I did watch. I rewatched. Uh, you know, you said you didn't, weren't able to watch a movie because I was sitting on a plane. Uh, I watched Fifth Element because it happened to be saved on my iPad, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't watched this movie in a while." Man, that movie still holds up. Holds up so well. 
That movie, I think they just pitched. They were just like, what if we did Die Hard, but we put it in space? What if we just went full-on science fiction movie with Die Hard? And you know what? It absolutely holds up. It is science fiction, and it is Bruce Willis, and what else could you ask for? And actually, I think the anniversary of that movie is coming up, and I'm looking forward to buying a 4K box oh, set soon. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be amazing. One of my that's one of my favorites of all time, so looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, Sleeping on Planes, William, I used to be able to when I was younger, but I don't know. I feel like when I get older, I don't know if it's like development of more hypervigilance, but it's really, really hard to sleep. I think because we're planning on going to Italy over the summer because we, we never got to take a honeymoon because, you know, we bought a house. You know, that I don't mean to say like we never got to take one like it's a tragedy, uh, no, we bought a house instead, right? Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I didn't, dude, I've never understood this about getting married. I may have mentioned this before. Like, you pay a lot of money for a wedding, then you pay a lot of money for a honeymoon, then you're supposed to pay a lot of money for a house. Why is it people think like there's this one five year span in your life where you're supposed to spend the majority of the money you're going to spend in your life? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's uh, makes um, sense. So, uh, we're going to take that trip. I think what I'm going to try and do is. And I, you know what? I'm going to test run it because uh, when we go to L.A., we, we fly out on the 23rd and we fly out like 8 p.m. So what I think I'm going to try and do is like just exhaust myself all day, like not sleep the night before and like hit the gym right like five hours before we go on the plane so that by the time I get on the plane, I just pass out. So yeah. I think I'll test run that. <laughs> and then, you know, if that works, do the same thing come June when we go on the trip because I have this thing now where I'm so busy like last night when I was so tired like I'll literally I don't have you ever been this tired William I'm like holding my phone and reading stuff on my phone and like my eyes close and I'm half awake to the point that I feel my my phone my my hand just goes dead and my phone just falls do you know what I'm talking about yes yes Yes, I'll I'll be there later later tonight. I'm gonna and I'm gonna do exactly what you suggest, which is uh, see. I'm trying to make sure I get on the new uh, time schedule here, so I'm gonna hit the gym uh, and then go grab dinner and then probably immediately pass out. Uh, uh, but I'm gonna I need to stay up uh, for the next couple hours here and make sure I stay get on this time zone as quickly as possible. Yeah, when I was young, I used to care about getting on time zones, but now honestly, it's what you just said. Like if I'm on a plane. I just want to sleep. Yeah. Because like I don't you so you watch the fifth element on the plane, right? To me, even watching a movie on a plane ruins the experience of the movie, no matter how good the movie is. I feel like I can't judge its quality. I don't know if it's just the environment. It's just it I I just feel like it's not immersive when you're watching a movie on a plane. So the environment mm. on a plane, like I just want to exhaust myself so I get to that point where I pass out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just want to sit in a seat that doesn't end up you know, bruising my butt for sitting there for 10 hours. That's a, that's the thing. And someday, Justin, I, I want to be able to afford first class. So uh, people donate, donate to that Patreon right now and locals so that, so we can have a, the midside uh, first class one. <laughs> the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. Patreon is per month. Locals is per episode. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying, William, but like, I don't think I want, to go first class. And the reason I don't is I feel like I would spend the money and be like, this isn't much of an upgrade because we're living in sort of a time where the effort, the emphasis isn't on quality anymore. 
It's just on getting your money and providing you the bare minimum for your service mm-hmm. because they know they have so many people that they, you know, we're so successful financially as a, as a country, as a culture that they know there's always another customer there. So they don't have to worry about quality as much. Yeah. It's interesting that luxury is not, is uh, commoditized, right? Something, something that, that should be luxurious, right? Flying first class is uh, just so non-luxurious. Yeah. So the reason I'm tired, William, I already mentioned it at the top a little bit here, is had the second wrestling tournament of the year, and it was a it was a pretty cool experience. So there are 13 total weight classes, but we only filled seven for yesterday, but we were still able to play second, and the the team that plays first is the defending state champions. And the team that hosted the tournament in place third is the runners-up from last year. So it's kind of a surreal experience for me because, you know, I, I had girls who joined in the offseason and everything, and, like, last year we placed 10th. But to actually have gone there and been that successful it is surreal. And I, I don't know, William, you don't coach or anything, but for me – as a coach, it's difficult to balance like having a high opinion of your athletes with also seeing their flaws. Yeah. And you know, I'm there every day, and I'm not. I'm not bad mouthing my athletes at all. I don't want to seem that way. But when you're there every day, like you see the mistakes, and you see the times when they have low energy or low effort, and when you think, "Man, we're just not going to do well," but then you go out there and you see all the hard work actually pay off. It's just very interesting to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's true. Like when you're, when you're a manager of folks as well, Um, you know, you see, you you can sometimes get a perspective where you're stuck in all those things that you're trying to improve and, or help them improve on. And it's easy to get stuck in that loop and not think of all the things that they're doing well or seeing the consequences of what they're doing. Well, it's easy to, easy to fall in that trap. Exactly, and easy to fall in the track of mini- the trap of minimizing what they're doing well. So, like, I have a girl who placed fifth last year, and going into this week, she was ranked second in the state. But in the finals match, she wrestled a girl who was uh, placed third at a different weight class last year and was ranked third at a higher weight class, but she bumped down. Right, this was the first we've seen her this season. And, you know, my girl last week beat a girl in the semifinals, ranked 10th in the state, and then went on and lost to the girl who was ranked first in the state. And then this week, she wrestled that same girl, ranked 10th in the state, beat her again, pinned her again, and then went and lost 6-3 to that other girl. So that girl probably ranked second, my girl probably ranked third. But it's like really weird when you reach a new level. Like this is a girl last year who was like, I was pushing her because I was like, you can place, you can place. But now it's sort of like, She's getting to these finals of these tournaments, and it's kind of like expected on my part. And it's kind of bad yeah. to be that way psychologically. You know what I mean? Because that's an accomplishment. It's an accomplishment to go to two tournaments against the top competition and get to the finals both times. Yeah. And not look out of place in the finals. But for me, it's sort of like you're always looking to chase the highest possible level. You know what I mean? Or like I have a first-year wrestler who was undefeated and got to the finals and faced the number one ranked girl at her weight class. And this is a first-year wrestler. And 
she was losing 4-3 in, in the final period before she gassed out and got pinned with only a few seconds left. But, you know, for me, it's sort of like, I I just see what she could have been, not what she's done. You know what I mean? And it, 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 it sort of creates that surreal feeling for me. Because I guess when mm-hmm. you focus on, like you said, the things you're doing wrong and the things you could do better, your brain doesn't register the reality of, wait, this is how good it actually is. Yeah. And it's good to, it, you have to, it's always important to, to look at what those positive results are because you want to also praise the causes of those positive results, right? You want to encourage yes. those, those. So if you only are looking at the things that need to improve and only talking about, uh, like I'm thinking about in terms of management, I'm sure it's very similar in coaching. Um, yeah, if you only think of it in terms of, of like, well, these are the things that need to get improved, then, you know, you, you'll lose sight of, okay, these are the things that have to stay in place in order to continue to perform at this level that we're at now. Well, right, exactly. So an example I can give of that is one of my girls, uh, the top two girls in her weight class were two returning state champions, one from her weight class last year, one from a lo- lesser weight class that bumped up. So those two girls were in the finals. My girl got to the semifinals and then got third place, right? But she lost to one of the state champions in the semifinals. And, you know, it wasn't really that close of a match. So I could sit there the whole time and I could focus on that. But instead, you know, I showed her the picture of the podium and I was like, look, you're up there and those are two state champions. Like, that's something to be proud of. Like, yeah, you're not at that level yet, but that's how close you are. And then also saying, look, this is how you ran over all those other girls. Keep doing that. Keep doing that and you can get there. So, yeah, you can always say like, hey, you know, Losing in the semifinals like that and getting pinned like that, that sucks. But like you just said, you don't want to focus on that because then they'll lose that and they'll just be demoralized. Talking about morale, though, one of the things that's really cool, William, about this weekend is um, I'll just ask you, have you ever been to Bucky's? Bucky's? I don't think I have. So I talked about it way back um when I did a solo episode about my journey across the United States, back from LA, back to the yeah. East Coast, uh, it's it's like I call it the Disney of gas station convenience stores, and it's only in like really deep South places. So you know when you hit Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, that's the places Bucky's resides, and it's like a huge gas station, a huge rest area. Now in Florida, they only have it out near Jacksonville. There's one near Jacksonville and there's one near Daytona Beach. And the trip's like two and a half hours. So when we drive, when I drive that long, I like to like break trips like that up. So that's like an hour and 20 minutes into the trip, which means uh, on from Bucky's back is an hour and 15. So I like to like stop there. And the girls absolutely love to stop there because, it, dude, if you love consumerism and you love capitalism like that's what bucky's is it's literally a store that sells you the love of buying things like you go (laughs) in there and everything everything is bucky's branded the food is bucky's branded the clothes is bucky's branded anything you can think of they have it in there that's bucky's branded and let me put it this way i go once a year right so like last year i brought I i bought a blanket well, this year I saw some pillows for like $12 each. That's the other thing too, dude. It's like affordable. So it's sort of like if you crossed Walmart, a gas station convenience store, and, and Disney. Because, mm. you know, they got their mascot, Bucky the Beaver. 
right? And everything has that Bucky the Beaver logo on it. If you Google it right now, you'll see what I'm talking about. So it's a yellow circle with a beaver with a red hat, right? Sort of like Alvin from Alvin the Chipmunks or Diddy Kong, if anyone knows what I'm referencing or I'm just old. Um, And, you know, I was like, I saw a couple pillows and we just got a new couch. So I was like, oh, I'll take the blanket and I'll put it on the couch and I'll put these pillows, which is ridiculous. Why do I want a Bucky's themed couch? But I do. <laughs> so I ended up spending like $100 at Bucky's. And this includes food. I want to be clear. I bought dinner. Uh, you know, I bought a couple things for my wife. And I bought like snacks to have later on, right? Because they have fudge and pecan pralines and things like that, which my wife really likes. And I also, uh, f- one of the girls asked me, she didn't have any money. She was like, you know, can you buy me something and I'll pay you back later. Uh, she said, I said, sure. And when she said, I'll pay you back later in my head, I was kind of like, I'm never going to ask her for the money. Cause who asked like a high school girl to pay you back? You know what I mean? Especially one of your, one of your athletes. But you know, so I all in, I spent like a hundred, $120. And as I'm walking back, back to the van, some woman looks at me and she just laughs. She's like, they got you. So it's like a thing. People know, like when you go to Bucky's, like you're going to buy a lot of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I don't know, like if you ever get a chance, William, you should go to Bucky's. I know I've talked about it before. Uh, I know I talked about when I went across the country that I wish I had gone to Bucky's, and this was my second time ever at a Bucky's, and this is going to be a yearly trip. Like one of the freshmen, uh, she was like, "This this place is awesome. I've never been before." And I was like, "Well, you've got three more opportunities to go." She's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, well, we go every year to this trip. And then she went and she was like, she, I don't want to say names. She went and she went and told one of the other freshmen. And she's like, we've got three more years of this. So <laughs> very, uh, that's very great. exciting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good team building thing too, right? Like I think that's something that people don't really think about when they're thinking about coaching. And not to toot my own horn, but beep, beep. Uh, I think it's something I do well. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, their technique matters, and you know, practicing hard matters. But I also think it's just creating a good experience and creating something that they people can enjoy together, and focusing on the fact that we should be enjoying things together and enjoying being around these people who have made the choice to undertake this dis- difficult task together, and just okay. celebrating that on a daily basis. That even you know, win or lose. Right, because we had a couple girls who didn't place out of the seventh. Like they they ran through the backside of the bracket and lost in the consolation finals, which is the match right or consolation semifinals, which is the match right before the third fourth place match, which can be very disappointing. But still having it be a celebration of that because that's an you know first of all just showing up is an accomplishment, and working that hard is an accomplishment. So I think a lot of people when they think of just sports and anything in general don't think of the side of like, we have to build this sort of celebration in every day. Of course, what do I know? I mean, isn't the problem with tech right now or one of the problems that they go too far in the other direction that they make everything just hanging out. Isn't that what we've seen recently a lot with all these stories? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's kind of a disdain for hard work in some cases, right? Like, right. Like, how dare you how dare you work hard and be proud of it yeah well i mean i i bring that up because 
One of the things that I saw this week, you know, and it's something that you originally brought to my attention, uh, I think is related to this. And actually, probably the next two, right? The next, the two of the things I saw that you brought to my attention. The first of the first thing is, and I don't know any of the details. You probably read the article. I didn't. Because I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. And yes, I swore very intentionally there, right? Because I don't really swear all that often anymore. Um, yeah. That Biden official dude, he really stole another piece of luggage? That's that's not all, my friend. He stole another okay, piece well, before, of luggage. <laughs> before, you go into, before you go into the that's not all, right? Because I want right. to hear the rest. But I just want to underscore the absurdity of him stealing another piece of luggage. It's like you said. Rather than him buying the luggage on his own, right, he just wants to steal it. But on the other hand, there's also the thing of, like, there are no consequences anymore. We don't hold people morally responsible. We don't hold them practically responsible. The same people continue to do the same things over and over again, and nothing changes. It's literally like letting a serial killer out, right? Somebody kills three people, and you're like, oh, we can let him go. He's not going to kill more people. And the reason we do it is we have all this empathy for their background. Because look at serial killers, right? And I'm intentionally going over the top. Serial killers, when we watch a show like Mindhunter, right, we see that a lot of them come from very messed up backgrounds. And we can argue nature versus nurture for them. But when we go in this social justice direction, we end up going too far to nurture and saying, oh, it's their circumstances that made them the way they are. So we need to have empathy for them because they're a victim, without thinking about what are the, the actual consequences of what they're doing. This is an added layer of farce. Oh, you remember how last week, last episode, you kept adding layers of farce to this story? Well, this is yes. known. The fact that he did it again so close, like, it's ridiculous. Yep, and we have to reiterate, just to, you know, in case you missed it from last week, you know, that we were talking about how uh, Sam um, Brinton, who's the non-binary, the first non-binary official, like... Uh, we're supposed to believe that, first of all. But, um, uh, well, basically, they, well, uh, it he really stole a bag. He stole a bag. Binary? Yeah, is it, well, we all, hold on. Yeah. Well, there is no binary, because, right? Right. That's what I was going to say. The binary is a construct. It's a heteronormative construct. Well, so yeah, everyone's non-binary. Everyone's non-binary. Well, if we could if we could look at it from a, you know. But let's let's take the heteronormative approach here. And pretend like there's a binary. And we'll, okay, we'll, 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 we will... We, we will probably end up misgendering him uh, only because he is he looks like a him. Um, he's got a nice beard standing in front of the Trevor Project sign, which is always hilarious to me. Um, please never donate anything to the Trevor Project. They're a bunch of narcissists. Um, but anyway, so yeah, here's the extra layer. So just real quick recap. Uh, uh, stole a bag from because uh, it was a designer bag. Probably for the women's clothes, as we theorized last week, if someone is mentally ill enough to be stealing women's clothes, I like I'm telling you that this is very bad from a mental health standpoint. But uh, William, but it not only not only does he have that issue, but he's like entitled with it as well. It was this another yeah. like Prada or Louis Vuitton bag? Because remember, it was like an expensive bag last last time. It was like a yeah. twenty five hundred. Well, here's bag. the wait. I haven't added a layer of farce on. Now, okay. now we have the indictment. I posted it when we just saw that, like that there was a charge, but there was we had, we had the the indictment hadn't been made public. So um, here it is: Sam, Samuel Brinton, who has served as Energy Department's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposal since June, allegedly stole a suitcase with a total estimate worth thirty six 
$3,600 on July 2nd, or sorry, July 6th at Harry Reid International Airport, so the Vegas airport. And this was filed uh, by the detective on Wednesday. The bag contained jewelry at $1,700, clothing worth $850, and makeup valued at $500. So there was jewelry and makeup, and this was another designer bag. Now, it doesn't say here, I, I, I haven't dug all the way down to the to the actual um, uh, uh, charge to see what uh, design designer bag who was the same designer uh, uh, as last time. But the point is it was the same MO, a white male adult wearing a white t-shirt and a large rainbow colored atomic nuclear symbol design, removing the baggage that matched the victim's description of her missing bag before quickly exiting the airport. So it's the same MO. Not only is he a mentally ill thief, he's a bougie. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. They couldn't identify him in the Vegas one until after he was charged in Minnesota. So they didn't know who he was until he got charged in Minnesota and all this made the press. And now the, they're able to look back and say, wait a minute, this is him. Justin, how many airports has he been in the last, uh, I don't know, year? Well, we that's exactly what I was going to ask you. We got to right, check how the many tape. Times he's done. Well, this is how this is literally how serial killers are caught, isn't it? Where there's unsolved crimes and then one person catches him. And then they catch him in other instances, isn't it? Yes. This is a serious, like, we're, we can laugh at it, but, like, Justin, this is serious. Like, this is, like, a, a compulsive yes. behavior, right? And it's focused yes. around sexuality and women. Like, this could be, right. this could be a serial killer, right? Like, this is, is right. serial killer behavior. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and not Crazy. to victim so, blame here, and not to victim blame here, but part of what makes it serious is the amount of, value that people are traveling with like okay this is one of the things people get upset about right when they say victim blaming right because obviously this person is insane and i'm okay saying that right i have no problem (laughs) saying that but why do you need to travel with that much maybe they're going to a wedding and they have have jewelry that they're taking and their nice you know formal dining gown whatever girls i don't know anything about girls clothes i can can understand the girls clothes are okay I'm with you with the gown. That is a valid argument. That is a, a, a sound argument. I accept that argument. With the jewelry, though, you don't want to bring it in your carry-on? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, right? So that, there's an added level of farce there. So I, I do recognize, though, two things. One, we should be able to live in a, a safe enough society where that's not an issue, right? And two... Um, yeah, I recognize the context. <laughs> is, it too much? <laughs> is it too much to ask that uh, non-binary editors, energy secretaries not take your bags from the airport? <laughs> I, I, I want to live in that world, Justin. Can we live in that world? <laughs> I hope we can live in that world. I hope we can live in that world. <laughs> so I don't know. Live in a... <laughs> will, 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 we get, will we get another update for next week? Lay your bets now well, on Discord. When we come back in February, right? Because, oh, when we come back in February. How many more airports right. will have uh, airport bag <laughs> mysteries will have been solved? Remember the hide your wives, hide your wives, hide your kids, hide your kids, hide your wives, yeah. Hide your kids, hide your wives, hide their luggage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From now on, I'm just going to blame if my bidet bag ever gets lost. I'm just going to require, you know, just to like immediately try to see if this person's got my bag. Uh, what, what's his What's his title? He's an energy what? Uh, Undersecretary for nuclear waste. Uh, hold on. 
nuclear spent fuel and waste disposal. Okay. Spent fuel. So and waste I'll just I'll just say energy undersecretary is what he is, right? Yeah. So uh, deputy uh, assistant secretary, but yeah. Right. Have you ever been standing by the baggage carousel for so long that you think your bag's lost? <laughs> yes, yes. It's a sinking feeling, Sunday? right? You're saying everyone that everyone that was on the plane with you all leave with their bags, and you're just standing there yeah. thinking, "I'm never getting through customs, am I?" <laughs> Next time that happens, just turn around and yell. Are there any non-binary under and uh, energy undersecretaries here? <laughs> Oh, Lordy. Are there any bald men who work for the government and identify as non-binary presence? <laughs> Get out of the pool! Okay, so uh, when we're talking about, like, worlds I wished I lived in, um, I wish I lived in a world where things weren't surprising for most people because they're obvious for everybody, uh, or, or for, sorry, yeah, because I want them to be obvious for everybody, because they're obvious for me, right? So, Twitter this week, did you see, um, I'm sure you saw, because I saw, that it came out that Twitter was actually blacklisting people on the back end? Yeah. And people were the thing, surprised the at thing that The thing that which they said they didn't do. But d- yeah. every social media platform gave users the ability to blacklist other users, did they not? Yeah, yeah. So if you can do it on the front end, you don't think they're doing it on the back end? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, I think uh, Scott Scott Adams has been doing some uh, doing some good uh, dissidents uh, 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 trolling um, with with this because there's a lot of people really upset about this, and then there's other people that are like, "Oh, this is a big nothing burger." burger. So I'm interested, Justin. I think uh, I think uh, our the mid side approach is the proper approach on this one. Well, yeah, and look, it's it's. It's terrible when it's implemented incorrectly, because just like with the anonymous thing, there is value in anonymity, but also there is a danger in allowing too much anonymity, as we've seen on the Internet. Right. But the same thing here, there is a value in using this as a moderation tool. And I think one of the biggest problems with social media is people don't want to pay for the manpower that it takes to moderate this kind of a forum, because they're already having trouble making money as it is. And one of the things to increase the quality would be that level of moderation. So they're trying to autom- automate it. So one of those tools for automating is a blacklist. But when it's used, when it's weaponized politically as it was, because everything is, is weaponized politically in this way. And when I say as it was, I mean, and in this way, I mean, it's in a biased and non-objective way. You can have things be, you know, politically motivated in a way that's not completely unbiased. But we have such a we have people who are in control or who were in control of Twitter that it was so extreme, William. It was, you know, if you disagreed with the far left at all, you were far right. And we've seen this forever, right? People saying, oh, not forever. But in my lifetime, we've seen people saying, oh, America is a far right country. And their argument for being a far right country is that oh, it's not far left. And they're not able to see outside of their own perspective. They have those blinders on. And when you put those people in charge of those tools, those are people that shouldn't be using those tools to 
properly moderate and automatically moderate. And that's the bigger problem here. It's not the tool itself and it's not the use of it. It's that it was used completely immorally. Am I wrong, William? I think, I think you're hitting, I think you're hitting close to the truth here. I mean, I think uh, PSA Sitch and a couple other people on Twitter, we were like having kind of an indirect conversation with each other on this. And we all sort of tweeted the same thing in with different words around the same concept. The issue here was the lack of transparency and, and, and the lack of transparency about people's biases and about what they were doing. And, and yes. in fact, they were lying about what they were doing, right? They were, yes. they were misleading and obfuscating about what they were doing. Now, yes. like Scott Adams has some good points on this where he talks about, hey, it looks like from these conversations, these people thought they were doing the right thing, right? They weren't being right. malicious as in fuck Republicans. They were saying, we're saving democracy. Now, they're wrong, right? Like, they, they don't save democracy by – I don't understand how blocking uh, or how uh, banning Trump saved democracy. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how that works. Well, but in their see, head, they had constructed hold on, hold on. this in their head. Right. That that this was. Right. And that's where I have a problem with Scott Adams. Right. Where he's being too nice to them. And what I mean by that is. It. The problem is they're trying to save democracy by saying fuck Republicans and they don't have that ability to see their contradiction. And it's what I was saying. They're so far left that they think anyone right of them is a threat. And that becomes the problem. And, and what you said about transparency is correct. There is nothing wrong with what you're doing if it's a private platform, which it is, and you say what you're doing. But they were, and to use one of their words, right, gaslighting everyone by saying what yeah. they thought was going on was not what was going on, which is why a lot of people are responding in the way they're responding. And what I'm telling you is Scott Adams is contributing to this. He's not calling them out for their issue. The issue is exactly saying we are going to save democracy by saying fuck Republicans. As is said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Their intentions exactly. may be to save democracy, but if they're doing it by saying fuck Republicans, and I'm using that as shorthand because very times, you know, fuck, there are times when it's fuck Republicans, but right. I'm using that as shorthand to say they're so non-objective at what they're doing that they don't understand the contradiction in what they're doing. And that's what becomes dangerous. And I think Scott Adams is being too forgiving by saying uh, it's about the intentions because William, that's the same thing with pandemic amnesty there are many people who had good intentions for what they were doing but they couldn't see their own contradiction because they were so far left so far pro-government that and maybe i'm going to stop saying far left they're so far pro-government that they didn't see the 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 contradictions they were holding and i'm not going to say oh well they were well-intentioned no i'm not going to give pandemic amnesty and i'm not going to give political bias amnesty to the people who ran twitter it's the same error yeah i i I think just to steal man what uh what uh scott has been saying a little bit is he he he's trying to for people who are saying oh this is clearly election meddling and you know illegal and unconstitutional and all this other bullshit right which you and i wouldn't say because we would say hey this is a private company the only issue we have here right. again to reiterate that's is a, the lack of transparency right like that's right. the key but that's a time where it's 
that's a fuck Republicans time. It's not election interference. If you say that, fuck Republicans. Yeah. Yep. So if if uh, if if you're stuck in this loop of like, oh, this is clearly election interference and someone should go to jail. The way to snap out of that is to is to is is what Scott Imes is saying, which is like, hey, this is what every media organization does, like Fox, CNN, all these news organizations. Now, maybe you can make an argument. I would say maybe you can make an argument now that you know Twitter it doesn't fall under Section two thirty. Like that could be some legal argument you could make because if they're making these kinds of moderation decisions, then they're not they're not a content platform anymore. They're a publisher, right? They are acting yeah. like CNN and and, and right. And Fox, and now whether that should change things—that's a whole different, you know, discussion, a philosophy of law discussion. Uh, but you know, in the what we have now, like you, I think you could make a very strong argument if if these are the moderation decisions you're making, like these kinds of decisions over with this kinds of like nuance, right? And and all these kinds of sort of back and forth debates about these sort of things, then you're not you're not a you're not a con, you're not a platform. You're you're definitely a publisher. Well, right, and, and that uh, goes back to the transparency issue, William, right. where it's what they're saying the service they're providing is. It yeah. seemed like the service they were providing was giving people a platform to share their thoughts. But really what they were doing is acting as a publisher and trading people's ability to publish for their ability to get as much content as possible. So, uh, And they're explicitly talking in these behind-the-scenes uh, communications about shaping the narrative and shaping right. opinion. And, right. hey, that's fine. I, like Again, private company. I'm not saying this is illegal or anything, but I am saying you're not a platform when you're doing that. You're a publisher. I, right. I, I, there's some line being crossed there. The lack of transparency and this so, sort of platform publisher is, I think, what is the real story here without getting stuck on either the, this is a giant nothing burger, which is like, yes, we knew this was going on, but like, it's different when you see the proof, right? Like the, you know, like people were saying that this was a conspiracy theory and here we see it. And if you think it's bad on Twitter, it's probably a thousand times worse on Facebook. Yeah. And, and that's why I have a problem with Scott Adams saying they had good intentions Right, their their intentions were to save democracy. Well, maybe I'm putting a little bit too many words in his mouth there to say good intentions. I think he's making the point of it's always you know he he says this several times uh, in different contexts that there's two movies on the same screen. Yes, right. No, and, and he's like, that's what he's, he's trying right. to point out. It's like, hey, yeah. the movie that they're playing on their screen is they have good intentions. They're trying to save democracy. They're doing this, that, the other, and. You know, we're watching the same movie or someone else is watching a movie and drawing the, the opposite conclusion that this is unconstitutional. This is election interference. And it's like these two movies and both of them are wrong. Yeah, well, no, completely. Both of them are wrong. And it's just really dangerous to frame it as they had good intentions. It's, it's important to frame it as they think they have good intentions. Right. Because you can't ever have good intentions by, as you're saying, lacking the transparency they lack. Those aren't good intentions. Yeah. It, yep. I mean, that's a that's a uh, that's a tell. That's a tell. That's a psychological tell. If you really thought you had good intentions, you wouldn't try to hide anything from anyone. Right. It's uh, I mean, go back to coaching. I don't hide anything from my athletes. I explain things. The only time I don't explain things is I go, I don't have time to explain things to you right now. Or I don't have the energy to explain things to you right now. But I all my coaching decisions, I explain to them. Because I have good intentions. I have nothing to hide. But if you are even implicitly 
being transparent, and I I mean that like you don't mean to be transparent, you just are. Like you don't actively set your strategy because that's the question. I don't know if like their strategy was explicitly, hey, we're going to be non-transparent, right? If you're doing it intentionally or unintentionally, you're demonstrating that you don't have good intentions. You don't believe your intentions are good. Your intentions are to defraud people. Your intentions are to trick people, manipulate people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, something else came across my Twitter timeline actually this morning, and it reminded me, William, of why I dislike the movie American History X. Okay? Now, you might find that interesting. And I don't know... um, do you know if this issue of this comic is recent or not? Uh, the comic was a while back, wasn't it? The, I don't know. The, uh, the Red Skull speech comic? I think it was a while okay. back. I don't know, but I, I read this Red Skull speech, and I, I want to read it for you all. But the issue I have with this, William, is that valid points are couched within bigotry and obviously Nazism, right? Because the Red Skull is a Nazi. Am I wrong or am I right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's Nazi. Right. He's a Nazi. So they... That was 2021 when the issue when the issue was, uh, was brought out. Okay. So it's still culturally relevant. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they couch these valid points within nationalism and bigotry to create a package deal between these kind of ideas and Nazism. And that's the same problem I have with American History X is the movie shows real fears people have about immigration and real fears people have about a changing demographic of where they live. And they associate it with just pure racism and hate as if anytime you express those fears, that must be what you're feeling and thinking. So so let me read this speech. We grow in number each time I visit. Thank you, my friends, for your courage and dedication to our cause. I have just come from Europe, my homeland, in fact. And do you know what I saw there? It was an invading army. These so-called refugees, millions of them marching across the continent, bringing their fanatical beliefs and their crime with them. They attack our women and bomb our cities. And how do our leaders respond? Do they push them back and enforce the borders as our, as is our sovereign duty? Of course not. They say, here, take our food, take our shelter, take our way of life, and then take our lives. Despicable. So, William, the first thing I want to ask you before I continue here, is this not a valid observation of things that are happening in some countries in Europe? Yes. But isn't yeah. this framed as if Red Skull is being completely irrational by saying there needs to be a, a legitimate conversation about what happens in these situations? What's the government's responsibility? Yeah, yeah. If, if that speech stopped there, then that would be just a normal, semi-normal, if clumsily framed Republican uh, or conservative border policy, you know, Intro, right? Like an intro to the policy. Like, and that, therefore, we will do a stronger border, but whatever, right? Uh, right. So then it continues. So it is good to be here where some men still know how to fight. When I was a young man, there was a great war, and our two countries did not see eye to eye. But all the sides, they all agreed on certain things. The fundamental responsibilities of a nation. 
protecting the land through strength, preserving the heritage and culture of the people, offering them opportunity. Now look at the world today. Look at the dead husk that was these United States, how the mighty have fallen. Who is protected, I ask you? So again, this question, who is protected, I ask you, is that not a valid question? It is a valid question. You see, he's trying, they're the, trying to package deal with some blood and soil shit at the beginning of that. Right. But, the, but right. The, with the nationalism. Is, yeah. Right. And that's the problem here. They're trying to package you with it with, with uh, nationalism and implied racism when the whole point that's, that should be made is that we're not supposed to have unfair protected classes. And now there's protected classes that are harmful to other classes. And then it continues. On my flight, I was briefed about these brave patriots fighting the government's illegal claims to their land. Who does the land belong to if not the people? Well, that again, a valid question, right? Who does the land belong to if not the people? This is who your government sees as transgressors. What about the criminal trespassers who make a mockery of the border? No, they are protected, of course. But that is only the beginning. Your entire culture is under siege. The principles your country was founded upon lost in the name of tolerance. And again, William, isn't that a point we make about social justice? The principles your country was founded on lost in the wake of tolerance? Yeah. Yeah. The the tolerance and then now the tolerance, the intolerance uh, towards the people who are intolerant. Right. Like you must tolerate. It's not just toleration. Like you must respect. And it's a huge difference. I don't I never demanded unearned respect from another person. Um, right. And that, that's a huge jump from toleration to to uh, respect. So here, here's the rest of this. Your religion, your beliefs, your sense of community all tossed aside like trash. And you cannot even speak out against it lest you be called a bigot. And who benefits from all this but the vultures feasting on the carcass, the bankers who stole your homes out from under you, and the politicians they purchased? Now, this goes on to link with Hydra, but this is exactly correct, William, where it talks about at the end here, right? The idea of it's the vultures feasting on the carcass who are the ones who are benefiting, right? And that's ultimately the point I always try to make, right? All of this is... People are benefiting from this who wouldn't benefit otherwise, and that's why these flames are being stoked. But it's the same thing when I watched American History X. You see these valid points being made, but then the characters voicing them are neo-Nazis with swastika tattoos curb-stomping people. It's the same thing here. This person's advocating a Nazi revolution, right? Red Skull's advocating a Nazi revolution. And this is what you were just saying. The person who wrote this probably believes what he was saying is correct, but I can't bypass him or I can't forgive him. I can't give him a free pass because his intentions are so contradictory to reality that giving him a pass and even being generous enough to him to say, hey, I know you have good intentions while doing this is to me the equivalent of giving people pandemic amnesty. Yes, I definitely agree that it's the same. It's the it's it's the refusal to recognize the principle of justice. We have to do it in both cases, right? We can't we can't give we can't give people pandemic amnesty. We can't uh, we can't forgive or look past what this writer has done. 
Well, you know who people weren't trying to look past this week uh, was this new AI thing. Now, I didn't get involved in this at all because I don't have time. And also, I found out it costs money. So people are paying for another one of these apps, right? Remember, William, when the app got really popular, that was like, take a picture of yourself and see what you look like when you're old. Remember that one? Yeah. And someone at work took a picture of me and I look like Bush 31 when I was old, apparently, or Bush 41 when I was old, (laughs) which was strange. But then I looked it up and I remembered they were from Massachusetts, so maybe there's some bloodline connection there. But um, that's not to say I have privilege. I don't. Um, Now the new one is this AI art, right? But people are concerned about this AI art. And and Daniel, actually, in our thread, dropped an article from The Guardian saying the the inherent misogyny of AI portraits, right? (laughs) It says, officially... The Lensa AI app creates magic avatars that turn a user's selfies into lushly stylized works of art. Now, I want to pause here, William. What is the key word in the sentence I just read? Art? Lushly. Stylized. (laughs) It's Uh. been touted by celebrities such as Chance the Rapper, Tommy Dorfman, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Britney Spears' husband, whatever that guy's name is. But for many women, the I'm not even trying to pronounce his name. But also, like, you're insane if you married Britney Spears. Like, she's a nutcase. But for many women, the app does more than just spit out a pretty picture. The final results are highly sexualized, patting women's breasts and turning their bodies into hourglass physiques. And here's a couple examples of things that were tweeted. Is it just me, or are these AI selfie generator apps perpetuating misogyny, tweeted Brandy Barker, <laughs> a feminist and advocate who has worked in the tech industry. Here are so let me just get, got... Okay, go ahead. Let me get this straight. So if, you're, if, you have, if it takes your non-idealized figure and idealizes it, that's perpetuating misogyny? So like if I did one of these, I'd like put washboard abs on my... On my uh, on my uh, shirtless uh, uh, selfie, that that would be perpetuating uh, misandry. So, right, that's the thing, right? There's two ways you can go with this, right? And I want to return to what you just said in a second. But first, I want to talk about the word stylized. This is not purporting to replicate reality, William. Perhaps you could argue there is bias in the stylization they're doing, but it's not the inherent misogyny of AI portraits, you could argue it's the implied misogyny of the style they're doing. Do you understand or my argument? it's the bias towards beauty, which is objective, right? Well, okay. It's but not going to add 40 pounds to your... It's not going to add love handles to you. Right. But that's, that's what I want to delineate, right? I want to delineate the two things. One, do you see the point I'm making, Right. That this is yeah. a style they're choosing, and you could disagree with this style. Sure. You see sure. that point, yes? Okay. Now the point you're making is the broader point about their point of view. This AI is stylizing towards beauty. So they are contradicting reality. They are asking their definition of misogyny, as you said with the definition of misandry you use to make fun of them, their definition of misogyny is inherent in reality, and therefore they're asking for an anti-concept for asking for it to be destroyed. 
If yes, the the, the the body, the whole body. I am convinced, Justin, that the whole body positivity movement is just seeking to destroy beauty. That's all they care about. Well, right, they just They're want to destroy beauty. Because what are they? They Why are, are anti life. I mean, they they don't want to see people yes. healthy. They want they don't they don't want to see people beautiful. They don't want to see them happy. So we have to. They're built. They're constructing this lie that you can be uh, be six hundred pounds and be happy. Because and, what are they? And, and healthy. Because what are they? Anti life. They're six hundred pounds and unhealthy. <laughs> William, it's perpetuated by people who are ugly and lazy. And I want to be clear that it's that combination, ugly and lazy, because you can be ugly and not lazy and become not ugly. Right. I truly believe, and I've said this many times, I truly believe like 95% of people can be attractive, right? Not everyone's working with the same mold, but if Julian Edelman can become a Super Bowl MVP, then you too can become attractive. Do you understand yeah. my argument with that analogy, William? Yes. The guy was undrafted. He was a college quarterback, undersized. And he became a Super Bowl MVP wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in Patriots, if not NFL history. I would say he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but people would be like, no, statistics. Okay, whatever. The point being, William, the reason these people are anti-life is they have low self-esteem because of whatever circumstances or tools they were given and what they allowed themselves to become. So therefore they end up hating life and they create this rationalization for why life is terrible. And they create a standard that can only lead to death because ultimately they have a death wish. Yeah. It's, it's like completely unhealthy. Yes. It's a unhealthy response. And then they, they point out the, uh, they point out the unhealthy psychology of people trying to be like super skinny, right? And the the whole like unrealistic beauty standards things. They use that as a crutch to to make a unrealistic life standard, right? It's two sides of the same right. coin. Correct. So what they are talking about is correct because they're dealing with concretes. And they're saying that your biology can only go so far. And what I mean by that is you can only lose so much weight. You can only shape yourself a certain way, right? I mean, William, am I ever going to meet the beauty standard of height? <laughs> no. And, and I, I always, I always tell people like, I, I could, I could never be the, what, like the tall, skinny person, right? Like that's right. not my body type, right? It's just right. not like my legs right. are always going to be super muscular. That's just my genetics. Right. And I'm never going to be like, you know, pro wrestling wise, I would say like Brian Cage or Brock Lesnar or, you know, just think of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not my body type. Right. Look at who I am genetically, but I can optimize what I have. But they are correct. It is unhealthy for someone like you or I to develop body dysmorphia because we're comparing to a standard that wouldn't fit who we are genetically. We can agree with that. But as you're saying, they're taking that and they're then saying, well, all beauty standards are irrelevant then. And they're creating the other extreme of it by throwing it out, by making it 
abstract. So they're making the same mistake abstractly that they don't want other people to make concretely. And I think what's fascinating here, William, is I think a tweet you shared in our group thread shows how this applies outside of these beauty standards. The same idea of wanting concepts or wanting to destroy concepts that are integral to reality or inherent or a part of or part of reality, or I would say as our nature's laws, as John Locke might say. So go, uh, go ahead, William. I think you should read the tweet. Yeah, sure. Just a little background. So the, the Dungeons and Dragons game, which has been around a long time, tabletop game, uh, they've released, uh, you know, they're constantly updating new versions of the game, new, uh, uh, you know, Dungeon Master manuals, things like that. Well, they released the latest version and they got rid of race. Uh, they changed the term race and made it species um, to combat yes. racism. And uh, they've changed a bunch of things also, you know, made, you know, uh, uh, whatever. They're trying to be more woke. So uh, here we have Daniel Kwan from Twitter, uh, uh, a wokey, uh, pointing out something that uh, is uh, not, uh, that it's never enough is the context I put, posted in the channel. They took the races out and it's now, uh, it's now species instead, but it's never, the changes are never going to be enough. So here's what Daniel uh, Kwan had to say. Changing the term from race to species doesn't solve the underlying essentialism in D&D. If anything, this enables gamers to lean into the biological species concept to even further codify systems of oppression in their games. And myself and so many other POCs having uh, been saying ancestry or heritage are by far better solutions, especially given that modifiers were removed from race in the first one DOD playtest. I'm honestly surprised that a cultural consultant came up with this. So that's their quote. So Justin, what, what do you think about uh, about changing from race to species what like is this uh kicking the can down the road is this guy right yeah well that's exactly what i was just going to say it is kicking the can down the road and even if you change it to heritage or background or whatever you want to say that would still further be kicking the can down the road because you know what people can do they can segment people into groups and discriminate and oppress based on those groups on the labels of heritage because it's as you said It's never enough. It's never going to be enough because the only way for it to be enough is to reality not to exist anymore because this is simply part of reality. Race, species, that's just semantics changing those words. Heritage, that's just changing semantics or it's changing the way you're looking at people and identifying them as groups. That's all it is. Yeah, and to have a fantasy world where there is this essentialism as a storytelling technique, that doesn't how I I've never understood how that turns into a system of oppression in the real world, right? Like just to, like how how do orcs being evil in Lord of the Rings reinforce systems of oppression in our world? I've never understood this connection, right? Well, because, the connect the connection, William, is collectivism, and the connection yeah. is you're teaching. No, 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 I'm serious. You're teaching collectivism, and and they get it. They use art to to make to normalize things for people, right? To use their language, normalize ways of thinking. And they're saying, if you play this game, that's the way you're going to look at the world. But as you're pointing out, it's a fantasy world and a fantasy game. And people should be able to distinguish between the two because I mean, we can, I can turn this against them, right? What if I do a uh, D and D world war two edition, right? Now I obviously don't know all the ins and outs of 
D&D, but I do know there's a dungeon master, master and you go on quests, right? And I do know that there was a game called Wolfenstein where you essentially fought through dungeons. So it's not a far leap to create a game where you pick being either a Nazi or an allied force and you have to solve a quest that helps your team win. And what am I going to do? Look at that and say, oh, if we play this game, then we're all going to see people as either Nazis or allied forces. Oh, wait, isn't that what some people do? So, yeah, I get where he's coming from. But again, it's the same thing. All of these things have elements of truth in them, but they're so warped and bastardized by essentially low self-esteem and collectivism that that's where everything gets fucked up. Nobody should play this game and be like, you know what? Uh, I think, you know, the Demogorgon is real. But then what do we do? We create a TV show where the kids who play the game fight against the Demogorgon. Do you see why the lines are getting blurred, William? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to a good stopping place for. Our I know we're going to do a short. It, uh, yeah, I was going to say we're doing a short episode for the last one before the award show, and then instead of being a decently uh, decent meat on this bone here. Yeah, decent meat on the bone. We always have a lot to say. We like to talk. It's actually funny. Like even last night in the van, uh, the team manager is one of my uh, debate class students, and she said to me. You know who I? You know what I think, Coach L? I think you would have a pod. You seem like you would have a podcast. Or no, she said you should have a podcast. And whenever, <laughs> whatever a kid says that, I just don't say anything. And then I was like, "Why do you say that?" And she's like, "Well, you like to talk a lot, and you say interesting things." And I was like, "Oh really? man!" <laughs> but yeah, like dude, we're always going to have a lot to say. It's just look to let people in on the backside, like. I wasn't able to put together an outline, really. I just sort of texted the group thread like f- four or five things that I wanted to talk about. I didn't get to delve into articles. I didn't get to go find trailers. I didn't get to watch a movie. So I don't know. You guys decide if this episode was as good as it normally is. I don't know. I I just I like to feel more prepared. Maybe that's just because I'm, um, I don't know, OCD, autistic, type A, whatever, whatever label we want to use in our Dungeons and Dragons games that makes us oppressive. <laughs> But since that does bring us to the end of this trip of this, uh, I won't say this year because we'll do that at the end of the next episode. But yeah. uh, this uh, this this trip, what did you learn, William? Well, um, I learned that I should not be a dungeon master uh, because it might lead to oppression. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned that apparently we can have a pretty decent episode uh, even if we kind of plan it off the cuff a little bit. So that makes me feel good going into the future. Maybe we can change the format a little bit. I don't know. Things to reflect on going forward. I'm also not going to do a lot of plugging. Look, you know how to support us all the ways. Patreon, locals, buy our merch, buy my book, right? Uh, most important thing is tell, tell a female a friend. friend. Tell a female friend, right? Uh, tell a female friend to protect her luggage at the airport from non-binary energy undersecretaries. And then at the same time, tell them you could have learned that on the Midside podcast. This concludes your journey into the Midside. I'm Justin M. Lesneski, reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Ich bin ein Berliner.
Do you got anything? No. I'm too tired. <laughs> We're too Same. tired for a tag. <laughs> Same. But you're in Berlin. It's just filled with tags in the graffiti sense. It is. Oh, my God. So many tags. 